if we were talking to a vendor that was like, hey, we built, we used AI to do better Google ads pacing. I could ask, why is that needed? All I want to know is that I'm spending my money. Our team paces within basically like one and a half percent or something right now. Does it pace closer so it's easier on cash flow? I'm still wondering if AI deserves any kind of premium. We have centralization software and AI is key to that. It's like, how so? A lot of the centralization is like, just stitch everything together, right? Normalize all the data. It's like, why does that need AI? Okay, welcome to the Digital Dudes Podcast. I'm David. I'm Reed. So Reed, um, we don't have an, an amazing title for this episode yet. So we will fumble through it in our intro here and then hope that our producers and marketers come up with an awesome uh, clickbaity, pun intended title for it. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> so what I wanted to talk to you about was I, w- I forget what it, um, I had heard and Nicole and I listened to some podcast recently that was talking about um, how prevalent fish fraud is in the United States. And what um, what they mean is like often when you're buying spicy tuna, you're not actually getting spicy tuna because so much there's not, unlike chicken and beef, those are heavily regulated when it comes to like from, you know, how it gets labeled by the USDA or what have you. But when it comes to fish, you have so many independent fisheries and fisher fishermen uh, and it's very hard to tell many fish apart once they've been cleaned. And so that's why you start mislabeling or people mislabel things. Now, a lot of the fraud might happen overseas before it's imported to the US. So like um, uh, a, a snapper is one of them. Uh, the, the stats I pulled were that 87% of snapper in the US is not actually snapper. Meaning if you're buying snapper at the store, nine out of 10 times, you're not actually buying snapper. And it's because it's a very... Um, it's worth a lot. The fish is, and, uh, it's farmed overseas or they fish for it overseas. And, you know, as some profiteering individual is like, Hey, I'll just call this other thing snapper and no American will know the difference. Cause frankly, David's probably never actually had snapper and he doesn't know what it tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, surprisingly, which, uh, concerned me a little bit. I know you do a, a lot of sushi, but tuna is mislabeled 59% of the time. I wonder what the fish is that is, is being um, used to to fraud the industry. So in the case of tuna, because tuna is pretty uh, common and wide, and I don't think of it, maybe I should, as more of an imported fish, but it seems like there's plenty of tuna here in the States. Um, so I'm curious, yeah, what are they presenting as tuna that is in fact not tuna? This is where uh, it, the episode really got my attention. Uh, it's be <laughs> the, uh, the fish that's mislabeled is called Escalar, I believe I'm calling it. And it's a very oily fish. Mm-hmm. This fish doesn't break down in our digestive tracts. So many people call this the diarrhea fish. Oh, so <laughs> when, you, when you go and have uh, tuna and you have a bad reaction, it's because they were most likely giving you Escalar and not real tuna. And uh, so anyways, this made me think like, okay, so there's all this mislabeled fish that really it's hard to track down. So the episode uh, I remember now, it was from a, um, uh, oh, she would, PJ Vote, I think is his name, the host. He, he started a new podcast that, that um, it's called Search Engine. I think it's called Search Engine. I'll, we'll link it in the, in the show notes. But basically why it was so amusing to me is he said he was ordering from the same takeout sushi place 
uh, 13 times. And the 13th time he was on the toilet, he was Googling, like, why does this make me do this? Oh, and that's how he discovered that there's this like fish fraud problem. And he ended up getting the fish tested and he learned that it was Escalar and that's what he's having a bad reaction with. So now he's got to make sure like, okay, is the sushi place I'm getting from really uh, giving me real tuna or is it, you know, using this wax fish? Um, and what it spawned for me was how much of uh, tech um, is labeled AI that's not really AI. And I just thought it was really amusing because I think similar to the whole 59% of fish is mislabeled if it's uh, regarding tuna or 87% for snapper, I believe that much of the tech today that's labeled as AI is not really AI. And this goes back to us with um, Professor Beaver at the first Digital Summit where he was... AI was starting to be thrown around as a buzzword. And, um, and so he, we had him go up and talk about the difference between like, first of all, just like formulaic stuff versus machine learning versus AI. And what's interesting to me is it's now been four or five years since that first summit is how much, um, I feel like the problem's actually gotten worse uh, versus better. Like back then a few places, few folks were calling their stuff AI that wasn't. And now I feel like can you even call yourself a tech company today if you don't say it's got AI or AI enabled or whatever? And how much should it, I guess maybe my first question for you is, do you feel that the company should even be clear if it's even their AI versus someone else's AI? Does that matter? Or is it just the fact like, yep, um, in this case, let's take a very easy example. Let's decide that these large language models like ChatGPT and BARD and what have you are AI. Okay, great. They are AI and now I use a plugin, like, you know, whatever, I hit their API and return it. Should I be advertising that, you know, AI enabled or is that similar to just being like, I'm on the internet? <laughs> well, I think... It's okay to to promote the fact that you're using or leveraging AI. You know, in this case, using oh, your last example of GPT, um, as long as you're not, I guess, crossing over that line and uh, suggesting or indicating that it is your own technology. Um, so, to me, it's a pretty simple, I guess, um, distinction. You know, um, but doesn't mean to your point that a lot of companies aren't crossing that line and implying that. You know, it's their own AI or that, um, you know, they're doing some unique applications with that AI. In some cases, that's true. But in most cases, it's not. I think the epiphany, or not epiphany, but the awakening that we we had and, you know, were given in, uh, by Dr. Beaver uh, four years ago was um, the, I think he had four classifications at the time of AI. And that's what very few people understand. And so on some level, like, I, I don't know how much it bothers me that, um, you know, fish fraud, <laughs> bringing it briefly back to that is concerning, you know, for the fact that you could end up on a toilet or that you're, you know, being uh, goose, so to speak, into paying, you know, two or three times, you know, the amount for a fish that, that isn't in fact that fish. Uh, perhaps that's also um, on some level happening with AI and technology, but um, from what I remember, Dr. Beaver was like neural networks is the more advanced, you know, it's, it's what he might say is true AI versus something like, uh, Microsoft Excel, which, 
I think most people be like, that's just a spreadsheet. You know, it's just Excel. That's not AI. But Mm -hmm. he, I felt like said that was kind of foundational AI, you know, as he was walking us through kind of the, the Genesis, um, or I guess the chron, uh, chronology of it all. And that it still lives, you know, like some of the basic arithmetic that we see, you know, or formulas in Excel are, uh, some sort of classification of that. So is the, the more important thing here, you know, the, the terminology underneath AI that, um, we need to, um, be better at, um, be more responsible for, or do we need to just, you know, rethink the, the, the broader, like, I guess, classification. I think for me, it's more of what is the outcome I'm looking for? And does it matter? So it's like, um, uh, I'll use an example that you'll be familiar with, but when we first started the company, you know, I've been into these like note taking apps forever. Cause I hate taking notes. So I want to be present in the meeting. And you'll remember that at the time I was testing a startup called Clark and Clark was incredible. I still have not met one of these note taking softwares that does a better job of uh, summarizing the meeting. Uh, but you know, they claimed to be AI at the time, but when I really like press their team on it, they're like, well, no, yeah, we transcribe. Sure. And then we have people overseas that are summarizing the meeting. And I was like, all right, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm comfortable enough with it. All I care is that I get a great meeting note summary. Um, Unfortunately, they got bought and shut down. And so I've been searching for something as good as Clark, as Clark sent. So maybe I should just hire like a virtual EA or something to go and like attend every meeting of mine. Um, so anyways, I've got several examples though of, uh, a, uh, of things that claim that they're AI uh, that are not really AI. But I, what I'm going to get to at the end of this all is like, doesn't matter. All you care about, all you should care about is the outcome. As far as how they get to the outcome, I think you should be less concerned unless there's some sort of risk per- tied to it. Um, except for maybe just being a good, um, I guess, discerning customer so that you don't get just like blatantly just accept, Oh, sure. AI. Yeah. Magic, magic happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, uh, so first off defining AI, what I have is that true AI is a system that can reason, learn and act autonomously. So it must be able to look at things, let's say logically, it must be able to learn from those things and then it must be able to take action on its own. Uh, And that's why I think like these large language models do qualify for me because it's kind of a black box. We don't know how it's really doing what it's doing, but it's doing it. And um, I'm I'm general, I'm super oversimplifying here, but uh, in marketing, the thing that we often see that people claim is AI is AB testing and personalization. So you and I have been on a number of vendor calls where they're like, Oh, we're going to AB test and we use AI to pick the best, whatever. That's more Professor Beaver's spreadsheet though, right? Where it's, um, okay, we run ad one, we run ad two, ad A, ad B. Which one had higher what? Higher click-through rate, higher ROI, whatever. Cost per acquisition. Great, choose that one. That is just based on simple logic. Like a logic of this is higher than that one. Therefore yeah, rule-based, yeah. Exactly. So it's rule-based. It's not, it's, not, it's not real. Okay, another one, chatbots. So the hot topic in our industry, right? So most folks will say they're AI, but um, they're not AI because many of them are pre-programmed with some scripts or keywords or what have you, and they lack the ability to actually understand complex or nuanced language. So it's similar to, I mean, the best example I have is like if I'm trying to call Bank of America and it's like... uh, (laughs) 
it wasn't, oh man, I feel bad. I'm going to pick on Bank of America. It was a different institution. I can't remember now, but it was so funny because at the beginning of its IVR, it was like, hey, I'm a very sophisticated bot that can understand anything you're going to tell me. Really? Um, yeah. It said like- <laughs> It's an arrogant bot. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And it totally was like, I don't know what you're asking for. I'll connect you to an operator. I'm like, well, that was the biggest like quick fail. Of the yeah, right. Uh, anyway, so most of them are pre-programmed, even if they're on pretty tight rails, they tend to still be rails. Like even those ones that are trying to use open AI today, we know that sometimes it still goes off, off track. Therefore, they tend to be on very narrow rails. And that's why often you'll ask a question, it tries to return something from knowledge base, it can't, and it's like, submit a message and we'll get back to you in 24 hours. Um, so true AI chatbots would be capable of an actual conversation and learning through the processes as it even talks to me, it should be able to learn what my preferences are and respond to those preferences or the type of questions I'm asking. Yeah. Well, getting back to the beginning of that thread, uh, you mentioned that, do I really care as long as the outcome is met, you know, meaning the end user or consumer and, I, I lean that direction, like meaning I don't care how you advertise it um, as long as the price is right, you know, for mm -hmm. the outcome that I'm getting, then, you know, uh, but maybe I'm being too, I guess, forgiving or blase about that, you know, that we should be uh, holding at least our industry to a higher standard when it comes to the way they're positioning technology. Um, I'm not sure you know, how to, I guess, go about that or fight that fight. You know, it's more, I think the education, you know, underneath that, that we need to spend time on so that people, um, you know, can make, you know, the appropriate choices when they're, when they're faced, as I keep saying, with the tsunami of uh, technology, I won't put AI in front of that, but that's mm -hmm. what they're hearing. And, um, you know, I think that does bear some value, but it's still, you know, you, you just get to the point where it's like, are you helping me scale? Like, so in the case of centralization, you didn't speak to that specifically, but that's a big one right now that I think has AI like attached to it over and over again. And it's like, well, um, how important is it that you know that that actually is AI and how that works uh, versus, you know, the, the outcome that you're shooting for, which is, you know, to be operating more efficiently in a centralized fashion. It's a great point. Um, and I'm going to say that because we've had some different folks talking about centralization on this um, you know, podcast. And when they say AI, uh, listener, longtime listeners may notice that I don't jump on it. And it's because I often feel it's not worth my energy. effort, yeah. yeah, energy to go into it because I, I don't really care how you got it done. It's like, okay, cool. So you get this thing done, but I would it is a head scratcher for me if someone's like, we have centralization software and AI is key to that. It's like, how so? Yeah. Right? Like, well, I don't, I'm not sure why a lot of the centralization is like, just stitch everything together, right? Normalize all the data. It's like, why does that need AI? That's back to the rules based or whatever, right? Um, well, does it, does knowing or being able to validate somehow, it's, I'm almost looking for now a third party site or something that would do this like, you know, the way you have impartial re reviews or a verified on Amazon verified mm. purchase, you know, where it's like, this is verified yeah. AI. Um, <laughs> that would be interesting. And then does that uh, end up over time proving that verified AI is less prone to mistakes, is going to be more successful technology than, you know, the example that you had with AI Clark, yeah. where it's like, 
there's somebody offshore that's actually summarizing this right. stuff. Right. Because then you get into the whole big blue, you know, back in the day with Kasparov, like right. who's more effective, you know, is all this new AI actually, um, you know, uh, I guess supporting all the hype. I'd like to believe that is true though, because the reason that all this is happening right now is because humans are going to err, you know, and they're uh, not going to be as fast or capable in most cases, as far as scaling, you know, um, solutions, I'll say not technology per se. And so that is what really was the catalyst for artificial intelligence is faster, cheaper, you know, more effective, you know, on a variety of levels. It's so interesting though. You and I had a separate episode about, uh, where we talked in some ways about, um, about this topic with pacing. So it's like, uh, to your point, if, um, you know, if, if we were talking to a vendor that was like, Hey, we built, we used AI to do better Google ads pacing. I'd be like, why? I could ask, why is that needed? Mm -hmm. All I want to know is that I'm spending my money mm -hmm. like that. The And it's uh, um, our team paces within basically like one and a half percent or something right now. Does it pace closer? So it's easier on cash flow. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Now, if AI went off the rails and spent <laughs> and it's whatever, 10% of the time, it, it instead of being one and a half percent off, it's 25% off. It's very hard for me to fire the AI. <laughs> Right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, cause it, it's like you're buying one person and cloning them like 45 times, mm -hmm. right. To do mm -hmm. the job. And it's like, now if that thing is wrong, are you firing all 45? A it's like, no, no, no. Right. Versus like if, if a human is off a little bit and they keep being off long enough, it's like, shoot, uh, we gotta, we gotta make a change on this. Yeah. So that is one thing where when you and I talked about this before, and I'm just using that example of pacing, first of all, probably not needed to be AI. Secondly, um, the accuracy better be more than 10x better, basically, because of the risk of it going off the rails and how hard it is for me to change something out if it goes if it goes off like that. Yeah, I like, uh, I guess, that, that point that when you adopt AI at scale, which I don't think you and I would ever advocate for, meaning, you know, it is smart. And I think the majority of, of our clients have wisened up to that pretty quickly, not to go all in full bore with an AI solution, um, rather test it on one or two properties and see the impact so that you effectively are hedging on what you're describing. You get the more human controlled nature, if you will, um, by limiting uh, the amount of AI that you adopt or test, you know, for a portfolio. But once you go ahead and I don't want to say take the plunge, but make that decision that it is something now that we're going to use across, you know, an enterprise, then the risk definitely goes up significantly. Um, so it just, yeah, really hammers home the point, be responsible, be smart, know what outcomes you're looking for, be smart enough, I guess, or educated enough to get under the hood uh, through that test um, so that you can flesh out all that you can possibly uh, you know, get to, um, to make sure you're in a position to go broad. Yeah. So this will, uh, I've got a third one here. That's a little bit, com uh, probably I, I think like some people might take some issue with, but recommendation engines and why I was wondering if Fiona was on this list. So <laughs> Fiona is different though, because we called it a recommendation engine, but as I was doing research on this, what they call a recommendation engine is different than Fiona. What they mean is more of like the Pandora or Netflix, like, Hey, I select these seven pieces of music or, or movies. And it's going to give me another, like, that's called collaborative filtering. That's what you call 
That's what it was called 10 years ago. (laughs) I remember when I first bumped into this because of Netflix or it was Pandora or something. And it was like, how is it doing this? This is incredible. Mm. I was at at that time, I was super impressed. Yeah. I was like, it really is seem pretty smart. But AI as a promotional or marketing tactic had not like exploded. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the article I read at the time was like, this is what's called collaborative filtering. And Mm -hmm. it was just a different way of explaining what I think you were I love it. I don't think I'd heard that one from you before, but I knew you were super in the recommendation engines. So the reasons uh, that I had researched why that's not AI is it's using historical data and just statistical correlations to basically, uh, to make, you know, recommendations say other people that like this have a high likelihood of also liking this. And so that's not AI. That's not trying to learn you as a person. It's just saying, grouping you within this type of persona most likely, if you like Die Hard, you'll like Speed. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. in this case, they learned that Reed is okay with Bruce Willis and not with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, for it. <laughs> but it would have thought high correlation would have recommended it to you, and you'd been like, "Holy cow, I hate Keanu Reeves." What, mm-hmm. what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, AI would be learning Reed, mm-hmm. not just you know your thumbs up on Netflix. Yeah, this does make me want to check in with the Beave, as we called him, yeah. um, again, and see kind of how his opinion has or hasn't shifted. Um, over the last few years as things have just, you know, clearly advanced further and further. And will the definition you're describing be suitable um, 10 years from now, 15 years from now? Because right now I think it works, you know, for the most part. I I like it as far as the reasoning and the ability to learn and whatnot. Um, But, you know, I'm just wondering again, as we advance and the technology, like within the AI universe becomes more and more, whatever intuitive and intelligent um yeah whether that that definition still would stand i wonder it's probably less about i mean it's probably a couple things so um just riffing on this with you i think some of it is our language evolves a lot over time so like in the past it may uh, as you were saying the what'd you call your recommendation engine collaborative filtering i almost said contextual yeah collaborative filtering if that came out in 1988 that might basically feel like AI for how far along it was. Yeah. But when um, when we have this slow march towards progress, like when AI, people were talking about it back in the 50s to now, you start needing to call them like to have, it's like Eskimos having 26 words for snow, right? Because they, they see so much snow over so much time. They don't just call it snow, but us Texans, we're like, <laughs> That's no, right? <laughs> like, yeah. We don't need 26 words. Yeah. Uh, and I, I actually was thinking about this related to cars, back to who cares how it's done, because um, it used to be, whatever, 20 years ago, it was like, I want a fast car. And, and now, if you say uh, a fast car, that could mean like, I'm going to get a Tesla or I'm going to get a, a Camaro or whatever. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference between like, you know, if you were basically taking a survey, like, are you okay with electric or, or not? No, I really want the rumble and the noise. It's like, okay, well, so you really want a gas powered car mm-hmm. it's like okay mm-hmm. i want a gas powered fast car not mm-hmm. just fast car doesn't matter anymore right mm-hmm. or it doesn't do all the filtering you need so i could see the same thing happening here with ai like if next year we had artificial general intelligence maybe we don't need all these 26 words for snow but if it keeps going on this prolonged timeline then perhaps we start having these different words for snow <laughs> I love that comparison. I do think that that will be necessary. Um, I'm still wondering if AI deserves um, any kind of premium, you know, which right now I think that that's uh, one of the, I guess, advantages that 
a lot of these companies are getting is um, they are, are getting more money for the software by using that. And mm-hmm. um, I don't think that that's, unless it is verified on some level, I, I don't think that's appropriate. So it is the markup on the fish that's not really a true fish. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, if they can get away with it, why why wouldn't they? But who's going to police that, I guess? Is it realistic that, you know, property management companies, I don't know, CTOs, like if there isn't any kind of FTC, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, for, for AI, then I don't know how the problem ever does get corrected. Because it's not realistic to, to me to think that the buyer, at least in our industry, is ever going to be able to effectively vet that, understand that. So therefore, do we just have to accept it or is somebody else going to help police and regulate. Um, and does it matter? Again? Yeah, it, it still comes back to does it matter, right? Yeah, like I think about like... Um, well, if you're going to charge more, I guess that's what I was saying. It's like, but I guess buyer beware, you know? That's right. on you. Why should it matter? Like as long as the outcome is the same, right? Unless there's some other unintended consequence. Like I think about like, I mean, I'm not like super clued into healthcare stuff, but immediately it's like I was telling you how I rewatched... Um, uh, the insider with Russell Crowe and Pacino the other week. And if, uh, if they had determined, let's just say, for example, that uh, nicotine itself is what causes cancer, then you might want to outlaw nicotine regardless of its form, whether it's like gum or smoking or what have you. But you know, that what they're, uh, instead it's like all the things that go around it that, you know, help cause cancer. But if you chew gum, probably not going to get like, um, problem there. Uh, so anyways, not to get like, hopefully people are following like the, the broad analogy. Cause I definitely would quickly get out of my realm as far as like, what, what are the, the negative consequences of just nicotine? It's thing. If it's, if nothing else is surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but yeah, it's back to the outcome. It's like, if you, if the unintended consequence here was that we outlet all nicotine and it, let's say it's just not actually that like that substance itself is not harmful. What you really care about is like the delivery device of it mm-hmm. and how harmful is that device. And that's what should be more regulated, if you will. So to your point on the AI and buyer beware, I think it's more of like, okay, is there, does it matter? Or do we let the free market sort of like figure it out? Because if, um, if, if someone could just say pixie dust AI on some marketing material and you make twice as much, you're right. Like a lot of companies are just going to take some liberties with AI when it's, there's no trust radius for it. Um, but you know, the consumer at the end of the day, you would hope would eventually make its determination to say like, that's just as effective as this other thing. It's half the cost. So I'm going to use the other thing that's half the cost. Yeah. I just think it, I don't know if the definition that you laid out, you know, would, would meet, uh, like, you know, most people's expectations, but that's where it starts, right? You have to have some sort of uh, consensus on what or how to define AI in order to really police it, or um, I guess also on some level um, market it. Um, so it's still it's your twenty six different words for snow. Like I, I think you know, there's a lot of confusion um, in AI and, uh, therefore, yeah, it just kind of forces you to focus more on the outcome and the cost, which is probably the right thing to do regardless of, you know, what kind of buying decision you're going to make. Yeah. Well, um, I guess for me, and maybe this is more where we're, I had a couple more categories, but we can move more into like some of the tips. Um, so one of the things I was thinking about, like, what do we want our audience to know? Oftentimes when we've talked about, um, 
different technologies that are maybe misrepresenting where to like, Hey, here's, here's, uh, even when we like do our, um, why digital, it's like, Hey, look, you don't have to use digital, but here's the things you should be asking your vendor, right? Like that way, um, we're educating at the same time and, um, they, whatever, they know what to go ask because we're in the weeds. So we know what we would be asking a vendor. So as far as like, um, some tips to avoid AI fish fraud, <laughs> as I labeled in on my notes, some, one of the few times I've taken notes ahead of time. Um, with the qualifier that it doesn't what? really matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. I just said, so be skeptical of claims of AI uh, and things that seem too good to be true. Ask questions about how it's used in this particular product or service. So this example, I think, is is um, would be very helpful with things like ad copy. So if someone's like, oh, yeah, total, we use AI for to generate, you know, 10 million unique ads for your campaign. It's like, oh, interesting. Um, could you tell me more about that? It's like, well, yeah, we run it through OpenAI and whatever. It's like, okay, cool. My concern might be um, that it's, you know, um, uh, that it's not aware of fair housing laws. Can you, how can you make me feel comfortable that um, you have some sort of filtering to make sure it doesn't accidentally, you know, add 9 million and one doesn't say something inappropriate for fair housing. It's like, and then if they can't answer it well, it's like, cool, seems exciting. Love where that's going, but um I don't want to use the AI then in this case until you guys can give me some assurances on on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever, just try to think of like what could be unintentional there. Now in that case, what you could what you could also be asking your agency is like, hey, I don't care if it's a human writing it or AI, but how how can you assure me that like they're abiding with fair housing? It's like because what does it matter? Like, are the humans trade on fair housing just because the AI is not? Maybe the humans also not. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I said also look for obviously like independent reviews, talk to their prior customers, things like that. And this is more around like the unintended consequences of AI. So again, like as you said, the caveat, my caveat is like, who cares how it's getting done as long as it gets done. This to me, if because the air quotes AI is so new, there's a lot that we as just people need to learn about what can go wrong with it, with how many different uh, situations, nuanced situa- situations we have. So like if you were going to use a chatbot company that was like, we're, we're one, we're AI first or something. It's like, great. Do you mind if I talk to a couple of your, you know, former customers or current customers, just so I can get a handle, you know, on like, have they seen any challenges with the AI going off the rails or whatever? I want to make sure it's represented correctly. Um, and then, yeah, don't, uh, my last one is like AI isn't a magic bullet. So just be aware of the limitations and, don't put all your faith into a magic bullet, right? So I think like in times like this, it can get really get really exciting. It's similar to like, you know, when blockchain was coming out or, um, you know, any of those other tech waves, I was thinking mobile first. A lot of folks like started to put all their hopes and dreams into this new thing because it does seem like, wow, the possibilities are endless. And on a long enough time horizon, the possibilities are basically endless with AI. Mm-hmm. But in our incremental step, next step, it's, probably not going to be, you know, the panacea. There's there's going to be some issues. And so do you want to be the early adopter or do you want to let someone else be the early adopter first? So yeah, it's just like, there is no magic bullet. It can't solve everything right now. So be a discerning customer. Don't just, if you ask a tough question and they say, wave their hand and say, well, because of AI, it's like, all right, that I'm personally not going to accept that answer. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think those are great tips. Um, the only one that I might add over the top of that is if you can have somebody that's designated at your property management company um, to do that vetting. You know, I think 
uh, that what makes this so difficult, um, if not unrealistic for a lot of these companies is they're doing this like kind of in different corners of the company at different times. And, um, you know, those tips are a good start, you know, but is there kind of a, a default, you know, questionnaire that you can do, um, whenever you're bumping into this, but have somebody that actually knows how to go through that, you know, with one of these tech companies, it seems like it's hit or miss on, you know, whether they're CTOs or, um, you know, uh, um, God, what's the other acronym, um, that's commonly used for, for things like AI integration. What am I missing mm. besides CTO? Anyways. Well, we had talked about like, should like in, in a prior episode, we said, can you expect to have like a head of AI or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that it's, but it's interesting. Cause it's like, even we see here, like we have a CTO Aaron now, right. But it rolls into him as well as, you know, our tech team, mm-hmm. but there's other companies where IT is separated, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's no right answer to that. And it's more of, as a company, what, how many companies out there are really going to have a dedicated AI department? Mm-hmm. Probably not a lot, because it's hard enough for any company to just get the resources they they thought they needed of yesteryear, right? Um, so is Digible going to be hiring a head of AI anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Uh, yeah. I know who would apply, but I won't say that right now. <laughs> um, but I, I, the f- funny thing would be, should you use GPT? Um, would that be an interesting way to even vet, vet the AI itself? Like ask it, you know, is this legitimate AI or not? I would be curious just to see what it comes back and says. Mm. Um, but on some level, I feel like you yeah, need uh, consistency when you're going through the vetting process. And that's really difficult to do if you're trying to coach everybody up on, you know, the pitfalls or I guess the bad actors related to AI. Well, uh, maybe as a fun way to end this, what is something that you think you would most likely, there's a higher likelihood of you getting fooled that it's AI or like, or just buying into the magic bullet. So this is more of, you know how like everyone kind of has like, I'm thinking of, uh, I've been using this with Trevor, but like in uh, the Matrix, Neo, it's like the woman in a red dress and it's a distraction. Um, so what kind of pitch could someone come to you and be like, oh, read, flashy thing, AI. And you're like, totally, 100, let's go. <laughs> so specifically for multifamily? No, just anything. Anything that like someone could come pitch you and they're they're explaining to you that this magical thing that you've always wanted is real because of AI. And you're like, I would like to try it out. Sign me up. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go to something I want to build. So I'd be maybe most likely to be the first customer Uh. if somebody actually pitched it to me. And it's, it's personal, you know, so, um, my daughter Sterling, you know, is type one diabetic. And one of the most challenging things in being a parent of that is, uh, obviously the nutrition, but like coming up with fresh ideas on different, um, like, for breakfast, for lunch, for supper, um, based on the inventory that we have. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. if somebody were to come to me and say, Hey, we've built this bot, um, to help parents, you know, with kids that have type one. And at any point it can just tell you like five different options that you could present to Sterling for, for lunch, um, based on, you know, what's in your cabinets, Mm -hmm. your previous habits, as well as like her sugar levels. So it takes into account performance, um, you know, the outcomes, uh, of all that. I would be like, yeah, that's great, man. (laughs) You finally did it. You know, I'm going to be your first customer. 
So I think that that isn't that true though, on some level that, you know, all of us are most likely, I hate saying it to be duped or a little more gullible, forgiving, whatever you want to fill that in with, um, for things that we so desperately want. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where marketing and advertising kind of praise, you know, Mm -hmm. and not to put it in a cynical, but it's true. You know, it's like, you see that and it's like, now how do I, yeah. Um, tell you that I can solve all your problems. Mm -hmm. And right now, uh, AI is one of the most common paths. You know, it's a shortcut for so many companies to just say, I have the solution. Well, I, this is, this is why I loved your response because it's why I asked the question is like, everyone has something that it really bugs them. And it's like, if you could wave a magic wand and say AI, right. You're like, okay, Let's give it a go versus if it didn't say AI on this like magical recipe machine or whatever, you'd be like, how do, how do I do this? Like, does that mean I need to enter in every item in my cupboard and I have to keep track? And like, it's like, cause the fear is data entry and True. whatever, right? I would be way more skeptical if you didn't tell me it was AI. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Or at least like of maybe what you had to do to make it work. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's interesting. Cause I think that happens the same with like, as your, your centralization example right? Mm-hmm. Is like, they, people don't want to hear like, yeah, we connect all the systems together and they talk. It's like, we connect, you know, we, yeah, we've got all the integrations and AI takes care of the rest. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. We don't have to do yep. nothing we have to do. So, um, yeah, I just think it's really interesting and everyone always wants for that like magic genie. And then in this case, AI is like kind of the perfect scape, scapegoat or whatever, like red woman in the red dress mm-hmm. for buyers because the beautiful thing is you can say freaking AI, man, the salesperson is like, I couldn't tell you how it works. It's AI, you know? Yeah. It's so true. Well, anything else before we wrap up? No, I, I think it's only going to get more complicated, um, more interesting and probably will be more head of AIs or some version of that as we look five, 10 years out. Um, but not for the sole purpose, not even close, you know, just as far as the vetting. It's more about taking advantage of it. But how do you take advantage of it if you don't really fully understand it? Um, but I do think that that's going to be a, a new position. And when I say new, I feel like we've already seen it pop up in a few companies or places. Um, but uh, yeah, I, well, I'll stop there. Are there any sushi restaurants you want to warn people about? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me wondering, although fortunately I have not been on the toilet after uh, our kind of go-to sushi place. The one that is affordable, you know, um, mm. that was, that would be the one that would worry me the most. Yeah. You know, but maybe I'm believing too much in the, in the marked up like higher end sushi, you know, that's what I want to That's, that's an AI thing, right? It's like, well, just because you charge triple for it, I'm going to assume that yeah. you have fresh fish and that it's, there's no fish fraud here. Totally. So I'll, I'm going to send you the episode, uh, so that you can listen to it. Uh, and, um, yeah, we'll include it in the show notes for people, but yeah, I have not had that experience, but apparently some people process this waxed fish. Okay. And some people don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I bet I'm one of those people that process it. Okay. And I bet I just always get bad fish. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, I've just been lucky, but. Well, I I do have to, uh, I, I said I'm good, but do you think right now that um, tech companies are making more money? You know, well, that's not the right question. Would you pay more um, if you knew that it was AI? Regardless of the solution? 
if, if each one was equal, would you, if you were aware that that was verified AI and that was somebody offshore and that was full transparency, we're disclosing, I'm going to use the AI Clark thing. Uh, and one company actually is using verified AI and the other company is doing it offshore and you had full disclosure on that. Would you pay more for the AI? Um, my, before you gave the Clark example, my first thought was no. And it's because I thought I would actually pay less because um, I'm super nervous because I've just seen the quote AI solutions go bonkers sometimes with a decent amount of frequency, whereas the right executive assistant overseas or whatever, I would trust more to learn me and, and, and do my notes and whatever accurately versus AI kind of going like getting a bad transcript summary thing. Um, but it, I think it also depends like what outcome I'm going for. So like with Clark, it was always like a, you know, 24 hour turnaround time to get my notes. And if I could get those notes in real time, like in a, in a platform from AI and have like a small degree of 5% off or something, I feel like I'd rather take that because I would love to be looking at a screen that's showing the notes it's taking and I can like quickly add comments during or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but with all the note taking programs I've used now, even I'm using read AI right now, it, um, it, it still takes like 30 minutes to process. And so 30 minutes might as well be 24 hours to me. Like, so in this case, I would rather have the human that I could go back and, and teach to say, Hey, do this differently. But I have no, there's no feedback loop on the note taking platforms I'm testing now, as far as like, I don't like this format. It's like, you get it in this format because they've made it for a million customers and take it or leave it versus the VA. I could be like, I kind of really want it in this kind of format. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that case, I'd rather this, but I don't believe it's we're that far from AI being able to do the real time learning what format I really care about for those notes and doing it in real time. Mm -hmm. So it little, it depends on like what outcome do I really want? Yeah. I asked that because I'm wondering if companies that are using verified artificial intelligence should be charging more or expect more, or if they should in fact expect that their product's going to, um, you know, be valued less. And when I say that, just meaning what you said, where it's like, I'd actually expect to spend less if I know that it's not humans. And in some ways, it's one of the bigger dilemmas that these tech companies face and us among them. Uh, how much you know resources and effort do we put on this if in fact it all just comes down to an outcome um, and that we're not going to get the benefit of having verified AI you know, in our solution set? Personally, what I get nervous about is like meaning of um, as I think about the larger company ecosystem, if I'm making a solution and it's um, internet software cloud-based. At first, if you're the first one to market or early to market or whatever, you can charge more because you can charge on the value. But over time, if it as it becomes more commoditized, you can charge far less. And so this morning on my drive-in, I was thinking about email. And back in the 90s, you could charge a hell of a lot to send an email or to spin up an email server for someone. It, so, but back, back then, it used to be like, okay, it's a penny per email you send. And now it is so taken for granted that I would be, could you imagine trying to make an email company today? <laughs> it's like, okay, am I going to charge for email? Uh, no, because no one does that. So now you have to charge like 
I think Google charges like nine bucks a month or something, for, but you get the whole suite. Mm-hmm. So it's like, but we're not going to do a whole suite. So does that mean we can charge $2 a month? And what's the difference between two bucks a month versus nine bucks a month and how hard it is to price? So I think over time, a- AI, uh, if you will, like as the solution, um, at first you may charge more as your first to market, but then if it's quickly like replicable by someone else, cause you get traction, all of a sudden all of you start competing again and it just goes down to the lowest dollar because also you don't have, you, you and I often talk about the t-shirt example. So how much did it cost to make this t-shirt? There is a bottom where you can't buy cotton, you can't get free cotton, mm-hmm. right? So therefore mm-hmm. it, it, there's a certain value that the customer just believes, oh, you have hard costs. But when it comes to the digital age and when it comes to AI, when it comes to like online stuff, the buyer at some point is like, Salesforce, does it really, what's it really cost you to like provide me another license? Come on, why are you charging me like <laughs> two grand? This doesn't make sense. Um, Little so, do they know. So then you have to, at some point, like build some sort of huge moat around it, right? That where you can dictate and say, I'm sorry, it just, Sorry that my margin's ninety eight percent. That's on each fractional thing, but the R and D I put into this was millions. Right, exactly. That's what's so difficult. Um, you know, we, it's a whole other subject. But how do you build a moat? You know, right now with AI. Good scary. luck. Scary. Yeah, scary. Well, save that for another time. All right. Well, hope you guys got something out of this week, um, and we'll uh, catch you next time. Yeah.